The Athletic. This is the best club in the world. Don't care what other people do. Luis Diaz, Salah, Pickford can only parry Salah again. And it's wide of the target. Liverpool nearly poaching late at the very death again. So four games in 11 days. It's a pretty intensive period that Liverpool now face. And that off the back of a derby draw where too many players underperformed and more points were dropped. So is Mo's form a big concern? And are other key players also struggling at the moment? That plus the Champions League test that awaits and the new WSL season for Liverpool women. Don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of the articles on Liverpool and everything else on the site if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Right now, you can sign up for a special price. It's a pound a month for six months. So head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersall. This is The Red Agenda with James Pearce and Kiever O'Neill. And the derby didn't quite live up to expectations. We were all hoping, James, it was the platform for better things. It didn't prove to be that way. It didn't. No, underwhelming. Certainly, the outcome. If if not the game in general, you know, I don't think I don't think you'll see too many more incident-packed nil-nils than that. But you know, there, again, there were a lot of deficiencies in that Liverpool performance. I thought you know the lack of control, the lack of balance, how disjointed it was. You know, they had that really, really good spell early in the second half when I thought, you know, the, the, the bringing on Firmino and going 4-2-3-1 really did help, but it wasn't sustained. And yeah, you come away from Goodison thinking, well, on the one hand, you know, you've hit the woodwork three times. Jordan Pickford's made some unbelievable saves and deservedly won the man of the match. Yet, you know, you think that to the, you know, the tight VAR call that disallowed Cody's goal. You think about Alisson's heroics. It could even have been worse for Liverpool. So we probably shouldn't be too surprised. I think what's that nine of the last 11 derbies at Goodison have ended in stalemate. Yeah, I I think the disappointment really, I think, stems from the fact that Liverpool are already playing catch-up and they couldn't couldn't really afford to drop more points. Yet they have done. And, you know, with only nine out of a possible 18 so far, that's um, comfortably their, their worst start to a campaign since Jurgen Klopp came in. Yeah, so nine points that they've missed out on already this season. I mean, unquestionably, it's been a really slow start, Kiva, to the campaign. So slow and you kind of keep thinking, you know, I I felt like the Newcastle Fabio Carvalho's goal was like so important for Liverpool because, you know, you can beat Bournemouth 9-0, that's all well and good. You know, you can put up big scorelines like that, but then you've got to follow that up with wins. But I feel like Liverpool needed a last-minute winner in a game to just sort of like almost like sway it their way a little bit and I felt like you know against Newcastle that was perfect 90 plus 8 after all the time wasting and whatnot. and you know I felt like that would sort of almost be like a clean slate almost like you know they they got rid of that sort of energy that was just sort of around them a little bit that they wasn't quite you know where they needed to be and then obviously the derby comes and probably you know is a game that you can just pick out in the season and Anything can happen. We know a lot of draws happen. I think more draws in that fixture than any other in the Premier League era. So, you know, draws are are quite likely, I think, aren't they? But at the same time, you know, Liverpool could have easily lost that game. So I think you kind of have to just draw a little line under the derby and move on to the next game in a way. I think Liverpool just need to put a run of games together, um, you know, get, get wins on the board. I think Man City drawing was actually quite vital for Liverpool at the weekend because... 
you just can't let them get any further ahead. I feel like it's been a, a weird start to the Premier League season and not a very good one from Liverpool. But I feel like, you know, this can sort of, if they can put a run together before the international break and then after it, and then obviously we've got the World Cup going into January, if they're in and amongst sort of in and around City, then, you know, it can be a, a title race season. But with the current form, if it carries on, then it's it's not going to be, is it? It's going to be a, a race for the top four. I mean, there is a, a focus and an obsession with looking at how City do constantly, James, isn't there? And I'm not quite sure in my own head. I haven't worked out how concerned I should be as a Liverpool fan yet or not. Nine out of 18 doesn't sound great. I know Alisson came out and said that, you know, the players weren't concerned. But behind closed doors, them and, and even the manager, there must be a little bit of a feeling of, hang on, we've got to get this together. Yeah, it's just not even worth wasting the emotional energy thinking about Manchester City at the minute or anyone else that's that's ahead of Liverpool in the table because I think there's there's that much that needs to be put right that until that is achieved, then challenging for the big prizes this season is just unrealistic anyway. You know, I, I think there have been mitigating circumstances. You can't you can't overlook the injuries, the you know, that that has certainly contributed to how I think, you know, disjointed and and that you know that lack of fluency and, and balance, I think you know, especially especially in midfield with all the different combinations we've seen so far. You know whether there's also that bit of whether it's a physical or mental or or both kind of hangover from last season, um, with those disappointments, and then you know obviously Liverpool's season last year went on longer than anyone else. You know, shortened break, shortened pre-season. So I think you know there there's certainly you know so much to work on at the minute. I just yeah, I just don't even think it's you know, worth worth bothering yourself with how anyone else is is getting on. And, and I think there's clear things that are alarming, but there's also, I think, good reason to believe that things will improve when, you know, Thiago back in full training today. We know just how influential he is in that midfield. You know, obviously one of the big challenges for Klopp in the next few weeks is trying to get Arthur up to speed, someone who hasn't played football competitively since May. You know, what can he get out of him? You know, Jota, you know, that was... You know, it was only really a footnote to the derby, but great to see Diogo Jota back out there. Liverpool have missed him, Matip as well. So yeah, as kind of frustrating as it's been so far, you know, I, I think you know it's it, it's certainly not all doom and gloom by any stretch of the imagination. And the big thing, you know, the, the the fixture list is so intense that Liverpool can't mope around feeling sorry for themselves. You know, Napoli away on Wednesday night. You know, that's a really really tricky start to the Champions League campaign, especially with. You know they they they've got off to a flyer in in Serie A, so um so yeah it's uh, it's just a case of kind of licking your wounds at the minute and moving on. Yeah, we hope good times are around the corner. Let's just have a little look at um, some of the areas that perhaps are causing concern. Mo Salah's form, uh, firstly, Kiva. He's not hit the ground running this season. Not quite himself. What is behind it? You know, is it is there any thoughts about concern, or is he only ever a game away from showing us all that actually he's that incredible? player that can you know take any team to bits he's just a shot away isn't he from showing you who he is and what he can do but it has been a slow and concerning start to the season for him you know obviously Sadio Mane's left the club what Darwin Nunes missing all those games Jota being out injured Luis Diaz you know has been doing bits as he always does but there's a lot of pressure on Mo Salah now and the way Liverpool play I guess to sort of cater for Nunes is Salah does seem to be playing a little bit wide. I know this is something James touched on at the weekend in his piece, and I think that's not helping 
him, who he is as a player. You know, he, sometimes you're watching games and you're just thinking, Mo hasn't even been involved in this. You know, get him involved in the derby. It just felt like he wasn't even on the pitch for long periods of the game. And it was, you know, you want your best player. And he is Liverpool's best player to be on the ball and, you know, be, you know, making things happen. He almost come up with the winner and we'd be speaking very differently of him if uh, Jordan Pickford hadn't got a slight touch on that as a, you know, ricocheted off the post. Salah is still gonna be scoring plenty of goals this season. Um, you know, he's already got a couple, hasn't he? A couple of assists against Newcastle, I think he recorded. So he definitely will be a player in and among the goals. And he'll probably get more assists than he's ever got. You know, I think was it sixteen or something last season. I feel like with Nunez in there, Jota, you know, he's he's gonna have plenty more assists this season, you'd like to think. So I don't think he's someone that you should get too concerned about. But then, you know, if if he doesn't have such a high scoring season, you know, if it is his, to be his lowest scoring season at Liverpool, then what impact does that have having lost Sadio Mane and, you know, trying to sort of get Nunez up and running for Liverpool and obviously Jota's back from injury. So I think he will help. Jota will help massively with that sort of workload and... Firmino sort of got back into form, which has been important for Liverpool. So, you know, like we've said, sort of on the whole, it's not a time to, I don't think, worry about any of them. And, you know, would anyone be shocked if Salah does the business against Napoli? Hard, difficult place to go. And then, you know, a home to Wolves, he, you know, he comes up with the goods because he, he is that player and he will be that player. But I guess what's concerning is how isolated he's looked in the opening games. And, you know, Liverpool need to fix that and they need to fix it quickly. So James, you've written a piece, Mohamed Salah's stuttering start to the season analysed. When, when you look at the stats and the information of, around his performance against Everton, what what does it say about his positioning? Because Jürgen was asked about it afterwards. Yeah, well, I, I think the two biggest things, the one that he's seeing less of the ball than than last season, and, and, and secondly, that he's, he's having a greater percentage of, of the touches that he does have attacking-wise further out on the on the right-hand side. And yeah, I just, I just thought watching him, it's not, not just a one-off. I think it's been a theme of like the opening month of the season that, as Kiva said, he has been too isolated and just not in enough areas where you want to see him hurt teams. It just feels like at the minute, Liverpool are failing to get the most out of their most potent attacking weapon because he's he's not in the right areas to hurt teams often often enough and yeah in terms of the numbers I think you know he only had 43 touches against Everton averaging just over 47 per 90 minutes this season that figure was 56 last season you know 50% of his attacking touches were in the far right channel last season that's up to 55% this time around 2.8 non-penalty shots per 90 minutes this season that figure was 43 last season and you know that basically you know you look at the expected goals as well and you know the the quality of his chances are similar but he's just getting fewer of them so i think i think the data really just backs up i think what probably we've all felt from 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 watching the games so far that liverpool just you know they aren't clicking as a force and and he's almost a victim of that i know i've i've seen some pundits suggest that oh you know this is classic you know player gets massive new contract big pay rise, puts his feet up and, you know, the, the effort level drops and, you know, people will refer to Yang and Ozil at Arsenal and what went on there. But I, I don't think that could be further from the truth. I, I just think that's a, a lazy way of looking at it in terms of, 
you know, for a start, that that isn't Mo Salah. You know, he's in he's in the shape of his life. You know, he's just turned thirty. He's got years and years to come at the highest level. I I just think at the minute, because of other areas of the team aren't functioning properly, that's that's hurting him and it's hurting his output. And you know, it's it's nothing new. Him spending time out wide, you know, more than previous years. We we talked about it last season repeatedly on the pod. But the difference then was that you had. Trent Alexander-Arnold in the form of his life, bursting inside into those pockets of space centrally and, and occupying players. And, you know, that then created space for Salah to wreak havoc as well. Now, Trent Alexander-Arnold, I'm sure, would be the first to admit he's been nowhere near the big, big standards that he's set during his Liverpool career so far this season. Um, so that right-hand side isn't functioning as well as it, it did previously. And I and I just think also you know the midfield with you know with no Tiago with you know obviously Henderson was a big part of it last season as well you know with all the chopping and changing there I I think that has that has affected you know the supply line to Salah as well so um, yeah I'm sure it'll change I'd be absolutely amazed if we're still sat here talking about a lean period for Mo Salah in October but you know you can't get away from the fact that two goals in in six Premier League games for someone that's you know, been absolutely prolific during his Liverpool career. That's by far and away, you know, the leanest start to a season he's had at Anfield. Yeah, he's he's probably beating himself up about, you know, the, the fact that he hasn't scored more. And this it's nonsense, this idea that he signs a new contract and he's going to take things easier. I'd, I'd expect the opposite of him. He's definitely that sort of guy. He's obviously going to have to modify his approach somewhat with, with Nunes in the side, Kiva. Yeah, I think the writing, I'm just thinking then, the writing was almost on the wall when Liverpool did beat Bournemouth 9-0 and Salah didn't get an assist or a goal. You know, this is how, I guess, we could look at that performance and say, you know, Liverpool had a great day, but Mo Salah didn't. He was, you know, probably involved in a lot of the play and the build-up and, you know, making important runs, but that's not where you want him, is it? You want him being the main the main man and cutting in on on that left foot and, you know, curl him on into the top corner or, you know, dancing his way past a few players. And we're not seeing that Mo yet. And I think that's probably the worrying thing, isn't it? Because, you you know, every time he gets the ball, you're almost willing him to go and do something. And a lot of the time he will just dribble it past, you know, uh, the opposition full-back or the defender. And, you know, he looks still confident in, in what he's doing, doesn't he? I think don't think he's going to lose confidence. He's not... He's not a player who's, you know, going to hit a bad run of form and not score goals and then just, you know, go in on himself. I don't think he's he's that kind of personality. I think he's got that elite mentality of, you know, the likes of Lionel Messi and, and so on. You know, he, he's definitely built himself up into that and the goals will come for him. But I just think that, I guess, with Nunez having to start the season, you know, he, he did come on and against Fulham and they looked electric together didn't they it looked like whoa this could be the link up that you know Liverpool didn't know they needed until right now I do think Jota's injury was you know quite costly there because Nunez is probably a little bit different of a player and I guess you know seeing him sort of drift onto the left wing against Everton was interesting wasn't it we know he can play across that that line but it it does change how Liverpool's front three traditionally work and I guess it'll you know it'll be a sort of teething process won't it Liverpool have to sort of adapt and adjust and you know they've got to get Salah taking on more shots and getting into those positions to do so and you know having less touches you know by the corner flag and having them you know in the six yard box or right next to the goalkeeper you know in the box you want them in and around just 
the box, don't you? Really, that's where most of his Liverpool goals have come. He, you know, he scored a few crackers from outside the box, but he's an in the box merchant almost, isn't he? That's where his his joy has always been found. So you want him in there. You don't want him, you know, isolated on the wing, even though you know he do a good job. But I think James brought up a, a great point in the, you know. Trent hasn't had the best start to the season. That's probably a little knock-on effect as well for Salah. And I guess we're seeing that maybe even on the other side of Robertson and Diaz, still not you know quite where Robertson maybe was with Sadio Mane. And you know, we're just seeing all these little things start to gel together and we're watching that process unfold. So I guess you've got to have patience for it because you know this Liverpool team, especially with all the players coming back, to fitness that they've got, you know, this week and obviously Matt have been another key player as well. We haven't really touched on, but it'll all work itself out. Or that's the hope, you know, that's what we keep telling ourselves. <laughs> Look, I mean, we put the focus on Mo there, but as you mentioned, obviously Trent's not playing to his level. You can say that about Fabinho, Van Dijk, Henderson. It's sort of running through some of the biggest players in the team at the moment, James. And And we've been having a lot of sort of Hope on the shoulders of the young lads, Harvey Elliott, Fabio Carvalho. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think that's the that's an important point, isn't it? It's not when you know inevitably when things aren't great and you write about one particular player, you you, you get people saying, "Well, hang on a minute," you know, you're, you're scapegoating someone, and it's it's not that. It's, it's actually the absolute opposite because you know the only reason I wrote about Mo Salah on Saturday was because I actually felt sorry for him and thought that Liverpool are. Are wasting his talent at the minute by by not getting him involved enough. But you're right; it's right the way through the spine of the team. You know, Van Dijk again. You know, I, th- I thought you know it was I thought it was more clumsy than malicious the challenge on Onana where he you know there was he talk about whether he should have been sent off at the weekend. I thought I thought it was borderline. I thought you, you probably will see some people go for that, but I thought I, I didn't. I think it was just clumsy more than anything else, but. You know, again, it was un Van Dyke like, wasn't it, in terms of mistiming a challenge like that? And it's not the first time this season. You're right, Steve. Fabino. You know, I always think when Fabino is bang on it, then Liverpool tend to be bang on it, and that just hasn't happened so far this season. And then, as as you guys spoke about, then I just think at the top end of the pitch, it's very much kind of you know a work in progress in terms of you know trying to integrate Darwin Nunes and. Um, you, you can see from watching me, you know, it's you know, despite Klopp saying about how they, you know, they use the time during a suspension to do lots of tactical work with him. Um, you know, they are still trying to integrate him, and I think other players are still trying to adjust to his different skill set, which is, you know, very different to, to having Sadio Mane, who played as that false nine for you know certainly the second half of last season. So yeah, it's just a team at the minute which is just malfunctioning in in lots of in lots of different departments. And yeah, a lot for a lot for Klopp and Pep Linders to to ponder because um, if there's still time, I think when you look at that Premier League table, it's it's not panic stations by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, the, you know you you can't afford this slow start to turn into anything more serious. Hello there. I'm James Richardson, and I just want to give you a quick heads up on the Totally Football Show's European edition. We're with you every Tuesday lunchtime, as you may know, but it's a particularly big edition this week as James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein, Julian Laurence, and Alvaro Romeo look ahead to match day one of the Champions League group stage, which features Real Madrid heading to paradise, Liverpool going down to Naples, where they always lose, and Juventus going to Paris Saint-Germain for the first time in Champions League history. Crikey, we'll also be rounding up all the continental news from the weekend too, so don't miss it. Search for The Totally Football Show wherever you get your podcasts. 
Right, we'll get back to the football in just a moment, but um, a word or two on the horrendous, horrific vandalism which, which took place ahead of the game. And Liverpool and Everton, Kiva released a joint statement denouncing um, the vandalism of several murals outside Anfield. It'd be absolutely sickening. Uh, you know, Trent's tribute on Sybil Road, wonderful image of, of Ian St. John, good friend of mine as he was, a mural of Moe with racist graffiti. The mindset of whoever's done this is purely off the scale. There's something wrong, isn't there, if something like this is happening? Just sickening, isn't it, to wake up on Derby Day, everyone's excited for the game, you know, the rivalry between families, like my brothers and Evertonian, you know, that sort of like texting people that you know, sort of worrying what's going to happen, are Liverpool going to lose and I'm gonna, my phone's going to blow up or, you know, will they win and, you know, you'll be able to give your mates a few little messages and, you know, that's that friendly sort of Merseyside rivalry, isn't it? And then to wake up and, and see those videos that were posted of, you know, the graffiti is just, just sickening, you know, to see that is just grim. I don't know what possesses any human to go and do that, like for the words that they, they put on there and just just dark, horrible, you know, for, to think what the city's been through collectively in the past few weeks with some horrible things which have happened and, you know, they were coming together, the fans, to, you know, unite about the poor little girl, Olivia Pratt-Corbel, who got shot and, and died. And, you know, that's where the city is, you know, that's where the fans... Are important to come together, and then you seeing that on that on the morning is just, just really yeah harrowing really, and and, and not what you want. You know, this is a, a city of togetherness, a city of solidarity. So you know, on both sides, the uh, Stanley Park fans were calling that out for it was just utterly, utterly horrendous. Well, I would have thought the majority of Everton fans think exactly the same as well. Hopefully, the police will, will catch who did it and give them the, the necessary punishment. Right, let's move on from there. Um, Champions League group stage begins. Tricky trip to Naples. Napoli undefeated this season. They've gone top of the table. You, you get the feeling it'll be more difficult than Liverpool's group stage last season, James, even though the names in there might not look as tough as the ones last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, it, it is definitely a, a tricky a tricky one, I think, um, you know, Napoli, you know, I'm, I'm surprised to see them leading the way there because obviously, you know, they lost lost a few players over the summer, uh, including obviously Koulibaly, who was their kind of defensive linchpin to to Chelsea. But they seem to have um, seem to have recruited wisely and reinvested that money. And Liverpool know only too well from their visits there in recent years under Klopp that it, it is a really tricky place to go. It's intimidating. It's not particularly pleasant in terms of you know it's quite an old rundown stadium where the fans make you know an, an absolute din you know it, it will be there will be it'll be spiky they'll be in their faces they'll be trying to do everything they can to try and unsettle Liverpool and, and ruffle their feathers and it's the kind of game that you you know you, you have to you have to try and ensure that you don't give them you know, Napoli any encouragement earlier on and you need to try and take the, the sting out of it in that opening period when, when it will be, you know, an absolute cauldron there. So, um, and, and I think I think the other thing with the Champions League this season is it's it's so condensed, isn't it? I don't think, you know, I, I think it, that makes it even more important to get off to a decent start because, you know, suddenly it's Ajax next week. It's not like, you know, it's not like you can ease your way in Gently, you know, it's you know, but before we know it, this group stage is going to be done and dusted at the start of November, and you know, especially with that, what's going to be a really intense double header in the middle of the group, home and away to Rangers. 
yeah, you you certainly don't want to be dropping points or slipping up away at, at in Naples early on and, and leaving yourself playing catch up like Liverpool are, are doing already domestically. You spoke about that that quick turnaround. I think it's all finished by November the second. Now, of course, the Champions League squad list was out, and Naby Keita's name was not on it, Kiva. If it's a bad injury he's got, you'd think, well, maybe it'll take him five, six weeks. So we've got eight weeks there, haven't we? So you're thinking he's, he, he must have a serious injury if it's going to keep him out for eight weeks. There's obviously a lot of fans reading different things into this and questioning his future. Yeah, I think it, you know, it must be down to his injury for Liverpool to leave him out, whether he can make it back in time. But obviously, you know, Liverpool think that they might rest him in those games anyway. You know, whether they need him is the question, you know, to, to give him sort of... Um, time to you know recover from his injury, or whether that just does rule him out for the next eight weeks or so. Another sort of bump in the road of Naby Keita's Liverpool career. It seems you know every time you you sort of willing him on and you get those performances out of him, and then you know he'll get an injury. He, he's been really unlucky in that sense that you know when he does kick on and is the player that Liverpool you know bought and thought they were buying, and he shows that then, you know, he gets an injury and that rules him out or, you know, he's not quite in form and, and then is, you know, dropped from the team or whatever. So it's, it has been a, a rocky road, I think, for, for Naby Keita. But, yeah, this, I think, it just feels like another sort of bump in the way of that and, you know, sort of then what happens beyond that? Will he stay at Liverpool beyond this season? I think it does all sort of start raising some questions over his future, doesn't it? And, you know, maybe what might have been for him at Liverpool because he's, you know, he is a phenomenally gifted player. You just feel you haven't seen enough of that from him. You know, whether that is down to the injuries or whatever else, it's it has been disappointing for him at times, hasn't it? Himself and the Ox going to be missing um, for some time. Just on the European theme, new uh, new Liverpool third kit unveiled. Uh, there's a video done at the Olympia. It was, it, it's done with sort of the backdrop of the celebration of flags and banners from the, the European history, James. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, the Cheap Thrills, the Liverpool band, brilliant. Done the soundtrack to the launch, but it all looks great. I like the kit. Now, you didn't like the away kit. Do you like this one, the third one? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better than the away kit, although I think that's probably being damned with faint praise. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's slightly odd that we're like a month into the season and they only just got round to releasing the third kit. But um, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm probably the wrong person to ask you. I think I'm oh, far too old a, to get excited man, about. Are you? I, I, I can't get excited about football kits. No, apart from Kiva, can you? I don't know. I like the old stuff, classic shirts and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I've seen it this morning. I think it's a nice colour. It's probably the <laughs> pick of the three, maybe, perhaps. Obviously, you can't go against the Liverpool in red. But yeah, that, that second kit, like we probably didn't talk about that enough. But I mean, it's all right now you see it on the players when they're playing. But when they first brought that out, I was like, this is a headache for me. Like, I get migraines quite easily. Looking at that, it was uh, difficult. I can see, you know, where they've, where they've tried to sort of do that, you know, Liverpool's music scene and all that. Um, in the 90s, wasn't it, inspired by. But yeah, it's nice to see that they're using um, bands because they used, I think, was it Stone in the last one now? Obviously, Cheap Frills. It's good to see, you know, local local bands getting, a, um, well, millions of people getting to listen to them, aren't they, with Liverpool's um, scope on, on social media, which is, you know, great for them. It's a good job we're not designing this kit. No, definitely not a fashion panel, this, is it? Right, let's finish off with a thought on Liverpool women who... 
Start back in the uh, WSL this weekend. Very exciting after last season. The heroics um, that sort of propelled them back into the top flight. But a much tougher proposition awaits Kiva. They'll be chomping at the bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Matt Beard has done an incredible job. Uh, obviously, getting Liverpool promoted, that was important. But now it's about, you know, getting them to, I mean, stay in the WSL eventually challenge you know for titles again up there with you know Chelsea Man City Arsenal you know that's where Liverpool should be they've got two of these titles already you know sat somewhere so you know they need to be fighting against you know the the best the best teams with the best players and they've they built quite the squad you know Beard's brought in a few new signings this summer which are, you know will be vital to Liverpool um, in the coming weeks and months, you know, someone like Shanice Van den Sander, who's returned to the club, winger, just going to be so exciting to watch. Can't wait to see how she gets on in the league. And, you know, they've brought in a backup goalkeeper, Arthur Cummings, who could, you know, very young, talented, plays a football internationally for Scotland, you know, could definitely challenge Rachel Laws uh, for that number one spot. Obviously, Riley Foster's still working through her rehabilitation and then, yeah, you've got Jilly Flarty, who Liverpool signed from West Ham, who was West Ham's captain. I never think it's a bad thing when you take a captain from another club. I think, you know, there's a leader, you're just planting straight in your team. And obviously, Matt Beard has, has worked with her in the past as well. And then Emma Coivisto, I think I'm pronouncing that right, at right back. Obviously, Liverpool had uh, Charlotte Wardlaw from Chelsea on loan last season, and she was absolutely phenomenal. So, they, you know, needed to get... Uh, another fullback in to help Taylor Hines out and yeah just an exciting squad and I think you know you think of all the, the core players already that have now you know won the championship and they'll be hungry to you know make an impression they're going to be playing at Anfield against Everton they're going to be on the telly against Chelsea on Sky Sports I think the week after they'll be on the telly as well for the um, the game against Everton at Anfield so you know there's eyes on this team now and they'll have to you know take that pressure and know absolutely run with it and I think that they will um if you look at pre-season results they've you know drew 1-1 with Man City I think just narrowly 1-0 defeat to Man United who've built a a really good squad they beat Villa beat West Ham 5-0 so it's all boding really well for them and you know I don't think it'll be a relegation fight for Liverpool I think it'll be you know they'll be comfortable in this league that's what they're showing from from the summer and that that'll be the hope you know um so yeah exciting and be great to see them play at Anfield on the 25th of September. Well, good luck to Liverpool women and uh, Kiva's going to be covering them f- throughout the course of the season for the Athletics. So uh, keep your eye out for that. Plenty on the site at the moment. Full rundown of the Champions League and what players to look out for as the group stages start. James's piece on Mo Salah's form uh, at the moment and a special investigation on Luis Diaz's home, which you can uh, you can check out at the moment. Jacob White has uh, written that one. So... Check out The Athletic and thank you very much indeed for listening to The Red Agenda and we will return at the back end of the week. We'll see you then. Goodbye.